successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com as well as on iTunes and TuneIn Radio today. I appreciate you also listening today on GrillNationShow.com where you can find all of our podcasts, photos of our guests, supporters and sponsors and all of our shows at grillnationshow.com really exciting show today we have in studio ryan maybe who is uh with the rieger kc and jay rieger and co guest coach contributor supporter and partner of grill nation show welcome to the show ryan thank you i'm glad to be back good to see you again man uh ryan was an all-star last year and uh we're lucky to have him back this year to contribute from time and time again with some really awesome shows and in today's show he's lined up some really good guests for us uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk to Andrew Ganahl, who is a managing partner of Linden Street Partners, uh, which is, uh, they developed the 1914 Main Building, and they're also doing one on 1721 uh, high-end modern luxury apartments in the Crossroads area. They're doing some cool stuff down there. It's it's great. It's bringing more people into the neighborhood. So Andrew Ganahl is going to come on in our second segment today. Really cool story uh really really opened up his place because of the streetcar so it'll be interesting to talk to andrew ganahl in our third and fourth segments today we will have on eddie crane who is the former owner of the drop and blanc is the original in westport he now owns all these local uh in martini corner area if uh it's it's a really cool just bar bar from what i understand it is it's very uh very comfortable casual approachable and eddie's just a, a great guy longtime friend it's going to be a lot of fun talking to Eddie Crane in our third and fourth segments today. We're also going to talk to um, Ryan about a, a really cool new thing he's doing with Boulevard Beer. We'll, we'll, we'll tease that now. Basically, you're you're taking a discarded Boulevard Beer and making yeah. it into a distilled spirit with Jay Rieger. Yeah, we're basically taking whatever flavor of Boulevard Beer they want to give us, and we're putting it in the still, and we're distilling it into um, what's essentially an aged whiskey and bottling it like that. And so it's... Uh, it's it's coming out uh, later this month, and we're we're really excited for it. We'll debut at Boulevard, Boulevard, excuse me, and uh, the Kansas City Star. Uh, check it out at Kansas City Star, or excuse me, KansasCity.com. Did an article entitled "New Jay Rieger Spirit Made for Discarded Boulevard Beer." We'll debut at Boulevard. Check it out at KansasCity.com. Um, Want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation Show. They are Trust, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Andrew Bash, Kenny Hertz Perry, John Kenny Hertz. Catalyst, Government Affairs, Danny Pfeiffer, The Rieger KC, Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, Kansas City Power and Light District, and Two West Advisors, and Ryan Rink. Thank you for your support of the Grill Nation show. Ryan Maybe is with us all day today in studio. Uh, great to have him back. Ryan, um, you just talked about your your new thing you're doing here with uh, Jay Rieger, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch briefly on with you in our first segment today was about uh, some of the stuff going on in the crossroads. You've been a, You've lived in the crossroads. You have businesses in the crossroads. There has been a um, an issue lately with liquor licenses uh, and some new legislation and the uh, new ordinances in the city. Um, let's talk about that. So, wh- what's going on here in Kansas City? It, yeah, it's well, it's kind <clears throat> of a, a polarizing subject. But you know, as a as a restaurant owner, as someone who has gone through the liquor license process um, and uh, runs a bar and restaurant, um, it, it's a 
it's already a fairly challenging uh, process to go through. But there have been a very small uh, group of people within the crossroads that, you know, maybe they just don't want to see any more bars and restaurants open up. I don't know. Maybe they just want to keep it, uh, you know, keep things as status quo. But in my opinion, uh, there's still a long way to go. Uh, in the crossroads, we still need a lot more uh, development, a lot more people living down there, and there's plenty of room for more bars and stuff. But anyway, the the uh, city council passed an ordinance a couple weeks ago that I believe is a really good uh, good thing. Generally, KC has been active in trying to make uh, opening a small business better and mm-hmm. easier. Mm-hmm. And so they passed an ordinance that basically said um, no one person can have any more than 10% uh, consent for a, a liquor license applicant, uh, which is great because it makes it a, a much more democratic process, allows more voices to be heard in the neighborhood. The way it was before that, let's say you owned 10 parcels of land uh, around a building that would be applying for a liquor license. You might have had 10 out of 12 votes, and if you didn't want that, that bar to be there, you could just shoot them down from the beginning. Or what's even worse uh, – kind of strong arm them into signing off on certain conditions that might limit their ability to be competitive uh, in the marketplace. So the, the city council passed an ordinance uh, that limits uh, one individual's power or a small group's power and makes it uh, open to the entire neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like something everyone should support. And But a lot of people are against this. There's an article in the Business Journal uh, that there's a, a brewing battle between the crossroads drinking problem. What what? Why are people uh, hesitant to do this? Are they think there's well, gonna be I, nightclubs I, and stuff, or what's yeah? What's the deal well, and, and when you the say, Crossroads has a has a general good vibe about it right now. Uh, uh, really, I mean, not just a good uh, vibe, a great vibe, artistic, yeah. good restaurants, good Absolutely, bars. We yeah. need more of those. You're right. Yeah, to be honest, I think the that the Crossroads is the destination dining and drinking neighborhood in Kansas City, and mm-hmm. I think we've stolen that from. The plaza. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look back 10, 15 years ago, you know, you would go to the plaza for, sure. for a nice dinner. But now you've got everything in the crossroads being locally owned, independently owned. You got James Beard, uh, award winning and nominated chefs. I mean, that is where, uh, culinary art is really taking off in mm-hmm. Kansas City. And I think it's something that we need to capture that momentum and keep, keep it going in, in the right direction instead of, Taking it for granted. So what? So what? What's happening then? What? What? What are your neighbors? What don't they like about this? Well, I think it's a small group of people. First off, mm-hmm. uh, there has been a petition circulating to try and reverse the ordinance that Kansas City passed, but it's a very, very small group that basically they just they want to have a, a lot more control over uh, who gets the right to open up a bar or a restaurant, and uh, you know, so it's it's a small group, and I think every single bar. Uh, or restaurant owner that I've talked to, everyone in the neighborhood. We had a big meeting with the the Crossroads Community Association a couple weeks ago, and it's fairly unanimous. I mean, everyone is in support of this ordinance and in support of uh, a fair and equal opportunity for anyone that wants to open uh, a bar or restaurant. Now, there are certain things that that the neighborhood doesn't want to see. You don't want to see a bunch of 3 a.m. nightclubs. You don't want to see um, you know safety becoming an issue or security becoming an issue. But as long as you have uh, enough voices coming from different backgrounds and whether you're a resident or uh, an office owner or uh, a restaurant owner, you're going to get, I think, uh, a more fair shake that way for anyone that's applying. So basically there's a lot of people that want to be in the crossroads right now that want to open up their bar, their restaurant down there. And I think they should be given a a fair opportunity. So really I think the, the, the opposition is relatively small, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're making some noise. They are making some noise and getting some media exposure. Um, So you, are you positive that the ordinance will stick or? I hope so. Um, I think. I know there's a lot of signatures required for stuff like this. Yeah, right? I think like 3,700. Yeah. Something like that. It seems like a lot. 
right to, um, to get for something like this yeah yeah um yeah i think it's a it's a fairly common sense ordinance that is good for small business owners and good for the neighborhood so we'll see how it goes hopefully hopefully it's supportive man and you, you're right i mean the, the crossroads still has a lot of, it's good it's great but it could be really good oh I, I feel like we're just now i've been down there for 10 years mm-hmm. you opened my first business down there 10 years ago and i feel like we're just now starting to see what i envisioned it being capable of back then and that's really exciting i would just really hate to see uh that kind of momentum slow down especially now with the streetcar being active you know that's where people want to go very cool. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment with uh, Andrew Ganahl, who has decided to uh, build two um, modern apartment buildings down in the crossroads. One is 1914 Main, which is open, and then future one will be 1721 Main. In our next segment, Ryan Maybe from the Rieger KC and Jay Rieger & Co. is with us all day today on Grill Nation Show. Uh, again, you can connect with us at grillnationshow.com. We're going to be right back after the break with... Andrew Ganahl from Linden Street Parkers Partners to talk about their development in the crossroads. You're listening to Grill Nation Show. Thanks for joining us. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running past like a man on the wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know why. I don't know why. Keep them going crazy though. TV and the radio been watching since a baby, so I'm representing Casey Mo. Casey Mo. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. You're listening to Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com as well as on iTunes. Appreciate you joining us on TuneIn Radio as well and on GrillNationShow.com where you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Joined today by uh, guest host and contributor to Grill Nation, Ryan Maybe. Uh, How you doing, Ryan? I'm great. How are you? Good to see you. Uh, Very excited about our first interview today. why don't you introduce our guest for us, yeah, Ryan? We have him on the line from Southern California. Yeah, we've got Andrew Ganahl, who is a partner in uh, Linden Street, which is uh, a company now doing some development and uh, building some residential uh, buildings in the Crossroads area of downtown. Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing great. Thanks, so, Jason. Thanks, Ryan. So it's great to have you on from uh, Southern California. Why don't you... First off, talk about your background a little bit. I know you uh, you have a background in, in, in government. You worked in Washington, D.C. for quite a while. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I grew up in classic suburbia in Southern California, and as soon as I could get to college and after college, I really only wanted to live in, in dead cities. Uh, I think I probably drove about 30,000 miles a year when I was growing up and decided I'd had enough of driving everywhere and wanted to live and work in a place where I could walk to work, bike to work, take the subway. And did that for about 15 years uh, between San Francisco and Washington, D.C. That's awesome. Um, you started Linden Street Partners in 2013. Tell us about what that, what your company does. Sure. I was uh, looking for an opportunity to come back to my home. I've got a, a couple kids and I wanted to get closer to family as well as get back into the private sector. And I uh, was talking to a grad school friend of mine, Scott Richardson. He's my partner at Linden Street. And Scott's got a really deep and ex- extensive real estate background, and with my finance background, we decided we really wanted to do urban multifamily projects. Mm. But we didn't want to necessarily do them on the coast, where we had been living for most of our lives, but rather wanted to focus on cities like Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati, Omaha, cities in the middle of the country that were seeing a lot of the same trends as what you saw on the coast, but were maybe a few years behind in that sense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of those properties is actually right next to Ryan's uh, building and and business, uh, 1914 Main. And this this was an interesting project because uh, it used to be a, a parking lot, correct? And it's right in the heart of the Crossroads Art District. It's a really cool, modern-looking, uh, uh, very high-end, uh, you know, luxury apartment complex. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we were really looking for the right location. And we're willing to do projects on a smaller scale than a lot of other developers if you can find the right spot. You know, we want to be at the prototypical main and main location. And 19th and 20th and main really hits the, uh, that sweet spot uh, for us in Kansas City. Ryan can comment on it's that. It's kind of a, it, that, that part of uh, the crossroads right on the southern edge there up against 20th Street, I kind of look at it as the, um, if you're going north, kind of the entrance to the crossroads. It's like when you first get into that neighborhood. And having been in the, in the Rieger now for about eight years, um, this is exactly the kind of, of development and progress I've been hoping to see for a long time, seeing uh, not only old buildings being repurposed and uh, and turned around into something new, but seeing, uh, more importantly, empty parking lots that serve no purpose whatsoever, having new development on them, and now, uh, what, 44 units in that building, I believe, that are uh, mostly mostly rented out at this point? Yeah, that's right. So 44 one-bedroom apartments. Uh, it, it, we've had a really great response. A lot of people who have been eager, I think, to live in the crossroads and also eager to perhaps have a, a new construction alternative to some of the wonderful rehabs that were done uh, in the past. Um, and we were able to, I think, kind of fill that void of being a new construction building, uh, but still on the crossroads. Andrew, uh, talk to us about uh, what the streetcar has meant to you. I, I'm reading on your LinkedIn page that you've, you, you're trying to develop real estate in urban mixed-use uh, areas uh, with, that are transit-oriented. Tell me about what the streetcar meant to the 1914 main property. Well, it meant a whole lot, actually, for a couple of different reasons. One is that it really put Kansas City on the map, or from a perspective of my partner and I. Uh, my wife did grow up in the Kansas City area, so I was somewhat familiar with Kansas City and had visited her parents over a number of years. Um, but it was one of the first cities we came to to come check out the streetcar and come check out the streetcar line. So I remember in September of 2013, driving across the country with my partner, Scott, and one of the things we had on our list of to-dos was to go to Kansas City and walk the streetcar line, and that's mm-hmm. what we did. Um, in fact, I remember very distinctly having dinner at the Rieger that night and going to my partner, you know, this is it. This is, uh, it's a big league city. When you drive in from the north and you see that skyline, you recognize that you're in a, a real urban area, uh, and the crossroads just had exactly that kind of vibe of uh, of a destination, of a cultural and vital place that we were looking for in our travels. I loved that, that happened at the Rieger. I, I didn't know that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was that was a big part of it. I remember sitting at the bar, going, "This is this is it. This is a great spot. How do we get it?" And our our timing was amazing. I mean, it had recently been foreclosed on by a bank. That bank had been bought by a different bank, and they were looking to get rid of the piece. And I think we were able to buy it for what looks in retrospect like a very good price. At the time, people probably thought we were paying a, a high price, but now it uh, you know, looks prescient from that perspective. We're talking to Andrew Ganahl. Andrew Ganahl is uh, one of the founders of Linden Street Partners. He uh, developed 1914 Maine and also 
Andrew, if you go to your website at lindenstreetpartners.com, you can find that uh, 1721 Walnut is another um, venture for you guys. Tell us about that. That's right around the corner there. Yeah, so immediately upon uh, embarking on this first project, we've been looking for a second project to do in the area. Our goal is to do several projects in Kansas City. Uh, focused on the area, I'll call it, from the river market to midtown, but with a special focus on the crossroads. And we um, have spent you know, countless hours walking around the crossroads looking for opportunities, and it, it is a challenge. Uh, there are not a lot of big developable parcels left to be had, um, but we were able to find this great three-story, uh, really ugly from the exterior, warehouse building, uh, but with the, with the right changes, we thought it could be a great place to live. And on your website, you kind of have some uh, mock-ups of that building. It looks pretty cool. It's right next to uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So it's on a stretch of Walnut that's got Big Brothers Big Sisters, a couple office properties, but it's also a block north of the Corrigan and all mm-hmm. the uh, exciting stuff that's happening there as well. That's awesome. Um, what are your general thoughts about Kansas City? I mean, uh, you obviously have a some familiarity with with uh, having your wife being from here, but um, w- with working with the city and working with the Crossroads community, uh, what what has your been your impression so far? Has it been a positive one? Oh, it's been an extremely positive one, uh, especially looking with some of the local groups within the Crossroads. Uh, it's a it's a group that's got a lot of pride, but it's not one to rest on its laurels. Like I think a lot of people recognize that there's a lot of hard work to be done to really recognize the potential of the crossroads, and you're, you're blessed with a number of community members who have a ton of energy, and they want to see that happen, and they're willing to put in the effort at the grassroots. Um, so especially someone who's been more familiar with some development on the coast, coming to a place where the, the neighborhood associations and your neighbors just are mm-hmm. thrilled to have you is really a, a wonderful feeling. It's also something that uh, I think... Um, I, I don't know what it's like on the on the coast as far as development goes or, or taking on a project like this, but it's something that, from my uh, perspective, being here in Kansas City uh, my whole life, like you, I always wanted to live in a city that was vibrant and dense and pedestrian-friendly and, and walkable and all those things, and I've hoped for that uh, within the crossroads and downtown for a really long time now. Um, but it takes time. It, it takes, uh, I think, a lot of patience to see uh, see projects like this manifest and become real. Um, but it's really amazing uh, to see it when it's finished and to see the impact that it has uh, on the community. It's uh, uh, it's really it's really a good thing to see it it finally happening uh, in that part of town. And uh, you know, I'm still every day uh, looking across the street at the uh, old Hotel Midwest that's that's crumbling, and it's been like that for the last ten years. But it's finally starting to turn a corner and I think there's going to be some development there as well. But uh, it's really cool to see uh, these empty spaces and old uh, decrepit buildings being uh, repurposed into something useful. Yeah. It's been, it's been wonderful to be a part of that too. Um, just like you, sometimes I even feel like, you know, Hey, what are people, what are people waiting for? This is the time. Uh, but you know, it does feel like a lot of those neighbors <laughs> are going to be start starting to go vertical or it's going to start to see some great progress. Uh, seeing all the activity on the Corrigan is, uh, you know, giving me a lot of, um, you know, hope for the continued development of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's very... it all benefits us. We don't see this competition. We see it as this is all about just making the crossroads a much better place to live. And your project's going to help my project, and hopefully my project helps your project. Absolutely. Do you feel like it it can happen in a, a in a timely manner, or do you 
feel like there are, are certain issues that you have to deal with or bureaucracies within the city you have to deal with that might uh, cause projects like this to take longer. What was your, your timeline for building a 1914 Main and getting it open uh, as opposed to like how, how long it actually took? I'd say we were pretty close to what we expected. Now, admittedly, we're coming from a mindset of working in jurisdictions where things do tend to take a lot longer. Uh, often because maybe the neighborhood is not as receptive to additional density as you would hope. In Kansas City, you clearly didn't have that issue. Here you had a neighborhood that that wanted this kind of project and saw it as an addition to the good work that was already going on. Uh, but bringing it back to the streetcar, I mean, uh, we see the streetcar as much more than just a way for people to get around. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's a way for the city to say, hey, everybody, developers, business owners, Come take a look at this spot. If you're going to make a big effort, make your big effort right here. In a way, it's trying to help solve a collective action problem of, of getting developments to concentrate in an area that one development helps another development. Andrew Ganahl, Managing Partner at Linden Street Partners. Thanks for coming on Grill Nation Show today, and thanks for all your uh, work you're doing here in Kansas City. Great. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank thanks you very you. much. We'll be right back after the break with more Grill Nation. Thanks for listening. First things first, I'm the realest. Realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down like I'm giving lessons in physics. Right, right. You should want a bad bitch like this. Huh? Drop it low and pick it up just like this. Yeah. I just want to chill, got a sack for us to roll Married to the money, introduced it to my stuff. Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com as well as on iTunes. Thanks for listening on iTunes every week, guys. It's uh, been really cool to see how it's been growing quickly. Um, I'm your host, Jason Grill. Uh, I want to pre- thank our guest host and contributor of Grill Nation show who's in studio with me today, Ryan Maybe, who's along for the whole show and, and actually set up the guests that we have on the show today, which are... All-star guests, and we're breaking down some really cool stuff. Appreciate Andrew Ganahl for coming on from Southern California in our second segment today. In our next segment, we have uh, in studio Eddie Crane, who is a uh, co-founder and, and just has opened up a lot of bars here in Kansas City and restaurants, right? Three. Yeah. Three, three, and you're also uh, pretty good at uh, li- doing things with liquor, from what I understand, with uh, talking to Ryan. Definitely drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eddie, Eddie Crane's in studio. Eddie, tell us about your uh, background and what you've been working on in Kansas City. Oh, goodness. Uh, you got a cool t-shirt on, by the way. I have to say that too. Yeah, you. I'm repping the Jay Rieger Co. <laughs> I like so, it a lot, actually. Yeah. I know. I need, to, good. I, need, I need to get one of those. How much do those cost me? Oh, like, 20 I, bucks? 30 bucks? Um, I might give you one for half price. I can okay, get you cool. one for 30. Okay, cool. What, this <laughs> one? <laughs> I'm, going out, I'm going out of town here in a few weeks. I might pick one of those up and wear it on the road. <laughs> Heard so, you a lot of compliments. Uh, my background, huh? It was uh, I got out of the army back in 1999, which feels like yesterday, but it's quite a while ago now. Then got started in uh, restaurants, just waiting tables with PB and J restaurants. You're familiar with them. Uh, that taught me a lot of the basics. Then eventually, two or three restaurant changes later, got hooked up with the Capital Grill bartender. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, server for about a year, and then bartender henceforth after that. And so I uh, went to the so the Capital Girl here in Kansas City, then I went to the one in Las Vegas, opened that one up and ran the bar there and met my now wife. And I was there about a year and decided I had enough of that town. You met your wife in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. She'd been there about seven years. That never she, happens, right? And she, <laughs> you <know> she, yeah. <laughs> you meet your ex-wife in Vegas. <laughs> no, I met her. We've been actually, uh, what is today? The 31st. We're, we're, we're in June now. Oh, my goodness. In three weeks. It's my 10th anniversary. Oh, look at that. Good for her. Good for her. Good Sticking for you. Sticking it out. 
Uh, and so uh, then I was, came back to the Capitol Grill and opened up on my first place with my former business partner, Ernesto Peralta. Mm-hmm. And that was the Drop Bar and Bistro. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. On 31st Street. That and was that was right in that that Martini Corner. Area. Martini Corner. Yeah, yeah, still there. Yep. So, um, after about a year or so, we opened our second concept uh, with Josh Ian's, who was the chef then. Josh has a Columbus Park Ramen Shop and Happy Gillis. Okay. He owns both of those, but he was you know in the kitchen side, and we opened Blanc Burgers and Bottles in Westport, the original one. Uh, and then shortly after that, I parted ways with that group, took the drop. It was like the parent trap. Each took a, uh, each took a kid and then we didn't talk anymore. <laughs> so, so, so Ernesto took Blanc and you took the drop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, after that, shoot, almost four years ago, sold the drop to Chris Riddler who owns Soul Cantina, Zocalo, uh, now Barrel 31. Uh, I think that's all of them. And he the owns drop. basically everything. Well, he's like get, get, he's he's putting the hotels up in Martini Corner of the Monopoly game, so um, so that and then uh, you know Ryan hooked me up with a few consulting gigs over the three and a half years off, and then uh, he sold the drop and uh, said he was done out of the out of the bar business, and I was like, I don't believe it. You will be back, I guarantee it. Yeah, like the like the mob, I just yep. couldn't get away. And then uh, so um, Vince Rook, he is. Uh, former owner of Velvet Dog mm-hmm. and the original Empire Room and Trocadero. So he was down there and he approached me about doing a concept together. And hence, what is it, eight months ago, opened Ollie's Local at 31st and Gillum. Tell us about Ollie's. Ollie's. Ollie's is the neighborhood bar before sports bars were the neighborhood bar. You know, just a place to hang out. Um, it, it's It's familiar. And lived in, despite being a brand new place. That's really the design. With the drop, everything we had to do. You, you, have you been to the drop? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back then, I had you know my molecular gastronomy, edible cocktails, bruschetta, paninis before anyone. Yeah, you, you, before you, Panera you, you had guys, paninis. You guys were like the upscale, cool like <laughs> place in Kansas City before there were any real bars like popping up. You know that were. And unique. it was also. Uh, I was always impressed with the the quality of the food that came out of the, that kitchen because oh, yeah. that kitchen was like a closet. And this this amazing sound booth we're in is roughly no no exaggeration, twice as big as our kitchen, and that includes having to walk in in here. <laughs> it's it was yeah. So kudos to Josh for the menu he launched out of there because it was essentially you know no gas, just electric kitchen. We had a uh, two industrial panini presses and a big old convection oven. We got is probably. 15 years old, you know, and he just designed out the menu with literally those three pieces of equipment. And, uh, you know, Lauren Chapin, writer for the star, the food writer for the star back then, became a huge fan. I mean, yeah, Josh was quite the... You guys, you guys had, I remember going there for parties a lot, birthday parties, anniversaries. That was kind of the bread and butter. And and so that goes to, you know, to Ollie's now, coming up with edible cocktails and new food concepts and Pepidus before anyone had heard of them, you know, and miracle fruit martinis and things like that was exhausting because every week you had to feel like you come up with something new. So Ollie's, I'm just sitting, it sits back in it. It is just a bar. It's a bar flavored bar. Interesting. But I think what's interesting about that though, like when, when you talk about how progressive the drop was back then, um, now, you know, fast forward, what, 10 years, it's been about 10 years since 
yeah, the drop open. It'll be, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> because the drop open right around the same time that I opened JP Wine Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but think about how much the bar industry has changed and how the overall, uh, you know, the bar has been raised, so to speak. And so while Ollie's is a lot more approachable and comfortable, there's also a higher standard that, that's just sort of a baseline established standard, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, out there. I think if the, if the drop open today, it would, not cause much of a ripple. It's no, like, oh, no, neat, no. you have edible cocktails. What's your thing? So Ollie's literally is the inverse of that. Uh, as I was concepting it, getting it going, best way I can describe it is it's a bar-flavored bar with a slight veneer of, like, blue-collar chic, little working man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, one of our uh, lead cocktails on the drink menu is called the Working Man's Friend. It's beer and a shot. Like, we're one of a 100 places to do it. But we give you five beers, five different spirits to choose from, and you can pair them up however you like. So it gives you a little elbow room. But it's it's that kind of familiar, which I think is, like you said, in this day and age, kind of a distinction. Like, yeah. we don't have a gimmick. When people are like, what's, what's your gimmick? It's it's just a bar. Yeah, it's a bar. I, mean, I feel like I'm selling it all wrong. but <laughs> No, no, it's just a neighborhood I, bar. I think that's atypical in this day and age of just being a place without – 3,600 TVs. You guys have face. food and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great, great menu. Zach uh, Smith is our our main man in the kitchen putting that together. We're actually getting ready to revamp the menu now. And so, Ryan, like the menu you know will mm-hmm. be our lunch menu. We're dr- so it's 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 probably it's primarily sandwich-driven right now. So what is it? Is it more of like a, a night place or a day place? Yes. It's both. L- literally. <laughs> it's And that, that can be... I know you guys have an outdoor area, right? Oh, yeah, big old patio. We've been re- renovating the patio for the last two, three weeks, extending the roof line, and we're getting ready to build um, a little bit of entertainment out there, a 50% reduced size, like, backyard chic bowling alley. Oh, wow. With, yeah, and so uh, Four Hands, I can mention that, sponsorships, right? Sure. Four Hands Brewing Company is, uh, we're, we're big fans of that, so we are, uh, we'll be little beer bottles, we'll be the pins that we're lathing ourselves. And uh, it's about a 25-foot lane, you know. Very cool. Just to, again, that's kind of the spirit of Ollie's. It's, everyone's bold. Mm-hmm. Not quite like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, I, maybe it's me. I just don't make it down to Martini Quarter as much. It's good to hear that this is happening, you know. I it, used to go there all the time. It I is. remember, it like, was, I used to go to Soul Cantina, like, because yeah. there wasn't many outdoor bars back then in no. Kansas City. I think there really every, wasn't. I think every place in Martini Corner has a solid... Yeah, very well well filled out uh, patio situation. Mm-hmm. So especially uh, Barrel Thirty One just redid their whole patio too. Added put back bocce ball, you know, like the Velvet Dog used to have. I was just going to mention that I the Velvet Dog was my go to bar back in my early twenties, and uh, I I loved the outdoor bocce ball court. It was just so much fun, so, and so to see something like like this, like the the bowling. Uh, concept you're talking about is just really fun. It's kind of in the spirit of the of the of Martini Corner now. Also, bars like that are kind of coming back. When you look at like adult arcade bars and and games and things like that, it's really oh, yeah. I've, kind of a, a char a bar thing has now. the whole thing out there too. Yeah. Westport. Well, up down yeah. is they're geniuses. <laughs> I know a few other people na- nationally have done arcade bars before, but they really nailed it. It's just got a good culture. Have you been to Up Down? I have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It can be a bit kinetic in there at times. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. So so that area is is is, is doing well then. It's doing Martini I mean, Corner. What we still call it the Martini Corner? Yeah, we do. I'm you Union know. Hill, Martini Corner. Yes. Those neighborhoods are not pretty <laughs> awesome back there. I the still own a house over there that I rent out and uh its property values are impressing me each time and so there's been a lot of rejuvenation in that area. 
the Velvet Freeze building across the street to the east of where my building is. You, you know, you familiar? I am, yeah. yes. So um, that was purchased, and uh, work should start on that pretty soon, renovating, adding apartments on the second floor, retail on the first, which is, that thing is a dated eyesore. And, and that was also, that building was purchased by the same company out of Denver, Colorado, that has been buying some property in the crossroads as well. So mm-hmm. also cool to see uh, out-of-town investment coming in. Uh, some fellas in Indianapolis, I can't remember the name, looking at some of that Crown Center space yeah. too. So yeah, it's, that's, that's a go now. It's I think so. The Crown Center project. I think it's going. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I was at one of the neighborhood meetings where they pitched that, and I. I so I, more retail, basically. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. If somebody once told me, uh, you know, when I was first considering business, they said, "Hey, you have a beach, you know, you know, north running north to south. You want to open a hot dog cart? Where do you open it, Ryan? Right in the middle. Yeah, right in the middle. Why? Because it's close to everything. Yeah. So somebody's already got a hot dog cart there. Where do you open it? Uh, right next to it. Yeah, right in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm all for more retail, more restaurants all being around. It's awesome. People people would tell me when I open up Ollie's again, and I'm familiar with that neighborhood, obviously, spending eight years or six years down there. What about all the competition? You like it. That's that's synergy. Them. Yeah, yeah. That's, people in. We're talking to Eddie Crane, who's a founder of Ollie's. He also was the owner of uh, The Drop and Blanc Burgers at, at one point. Now mm-hmm. he's, he's rolling with Ollie's. Check it out. It's on in Martini Corner. We're right back after the break with more with Ryan Maybe and Eddie Crane. We're going to talk about some exciting new news and get into a lot of other fun stuff here on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM and talk980am.com as well as on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation with Jason Grill real quickly before we get to our next segment. They are Trust, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Ken Hertz Perry, Catalyst, The Rigger KC, and Jay Rigger & Co. Ryan may be in studio today, a guest host and contributor to the show, KCPNL, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Thanks for your support of Grill Nation. Okay, guys, we're back here with Eddie Crane. Who owns Ollie's and down? And it's, it's if if Harry's Country Club and the Peanut had a baby, you get Ollie's. I'm excited <laughs> to try this place. I'm pretty sure accurate. Your, your food offerings and beer offerings are good. Plus, I like the beer and a shot idea. Um, Ryan may be with me, owner of Jay Rieger KC and Jay Rieger and Co Whiskey or Spirits. I spirits. And you, you guys have everything now. Um, I want to talk to you real quickly about some big news that uh, came out this week about Jay Rieger uh, bottling or distilling Old Boulevard beer. Discarded Bill of Art, yeah, right? Yeah, Tell yeah. me about that, guys. Okay, so um, our head distiller, Nathan Perry, used to work for Boulevard Brewing Company. He was uh, a chemist. He worked in the lab, and uh, um, you know he ended up uh, landing uh, the head distiller job. And we're right now, myself and, and my business partner, Andy Rieger and Nathan, we're just uh, we're like a volcano of creativity. You know, and we're just always coming up with crazy new ideas. And, and like with anything, some of those ideas stick and some don't. But uh, one that we just really fell in love with was collaborating with Boulevard Brewing Company uh, to distill their beer. And in in beer making, there's a lot of waste. Boulevard dumps, I don't know how many thousands of gallons of beer down the drain. It's bad they can't just dump it right. to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but they do. You know, beer has a shelf life, whereas spirits don't. And so they're constantly getting product returned from uh, distributors or, you know, there have been a couple instances where there was a shipping problem and the temperature got a little weird. And so they didn't know if it was good enough to put on the shelf. And so what that, what happens is they end up pouring it down the drain 
and they're still responsible for the taxes on it, and they're st- then responsible for a disposal fee to the city. Uh, so we said, why don't you just give it to us, and we'll put it in the still, and we'll distill it into essentially whiskey. Mm. Um, we can't legally call it whiskey because there's hops in there. It's a distilled also. spirit. It's a distilled spirit from grain, but the addition of hops doesn't allow us to call it whiskey. I but can call it whiskey all I want, though. It's whiskey. Yeah, I mean, essentially what you've got is is white whiskey made from Boulevard beer, and we're calling it Left for Dead because it kind of – it's something that was, you know, going to, going to be discarded and, and thrown away and we're bringing it back to life in a, in a new form. Um, so it's, it's something we're branding, really a branding opportunity for you too, because oh, absolutely. Boulevard, yeah. um, people will kind of be a little bit like, Oh, this is interesting. Well, we're bottling, I'm, I'm, I'm bottle, I'm drinking discarded Boulevard beer, but now it's a distilled spirit. Yeah. So and, it's now, and we're bottling everything at 89 proof to kind of pay homage to the, uh, Boulevard kicking off in 1989. Mm. So imagine drinking Boulevard wheat. At eighty nine proof, yes. Think think about that. Actually, I'm I'm probably going down there today to the story <laughs> to check it out. So, um, and it, what's really amazing about it is that those flavors come through. We've been distilling a lot of different beers. Boulevard Wheat will be the first release. Um, we're going to release it in a very small amount uh, during Boulevardia, but then uh, open to the public on uh, the twenty seventh of this month of June. And the first release will be Boulevard Wheat. But then we're basically making whatever they give us. So. Whatever beer they say, here you go, we're going to distill it, and it'll come out in batch numbers. So every batch number will be a different Boulevard beer. And they all do have uh, – we've already distilled the first six batches, and uh, they do have distinctively different flavors and characteristics. It's really? a pretty cool thing to see. On that note, I have a question that you I haven't asked you yet. So <laughs> have you distilled – had done different runs of wheat that you've received? Like you get one shipment of wheat, run that through, run – you know, love child, and then go back to a wheat and not see yet. differences. Okay. Not yet. We haven't. Uh, we haven't taken on a second uh, batch of the same same thing yet. Everything has been different. Do you anticipate differences between different, or is it? Is it? Who knows? I don't think so. I mean, I think the only thing that would contribute to a difference, say, of the first batch of wheat, and then if we did another run of wheat in a few months. I think the only difference would be if Nathan ran the still differently. If he like slowed it down or distilled it to a different proof. You know, you do have some control uh when it comes to uh like how high you distill it to like to what abv during the the distillation run and that does impact flavor the higher you go the more flavor it's going to remove and the lower you keep it the more flavor is going to be contained so that would be the only difference i think it's a a difference that we have control over i i don't i don't think it would be uh just naturally different unless there's some sort of variation from batch to batch with boulevard which i think they they go out of their way to be consistent. Even though sometimes you're getting ones with shipping issues. Yeah. I think you, know, you know, what's really cool is that this is going to be an experiment and we're, we're going to learn a lot from it. From a sales perspective, that's great. If I fall in love with wheat, it's unavailable for a while and then it is again. Right. So uh, do you anticipate uh, hitting up chocolate ale? We are gonna we are gonna make whatever they give us, and if they gave us chocolate ale, hell yeah, we'll just. That's like it. A, that's I've got like a bottle a... of chocolate ale in my fridge right now. I forgot yeah. about it. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got I have whole... about a month to drink it. I think before yeah. before I have to give it to well, Ryan. One of the to... one of the most interesting ones was, was Love Child, uh, getting oh, wow. a, a sour beer mm-hmm. and distilling that. I mean, that just kind of blew my mind. What's your favorite? Um, yeah, I don't know. We did we did one where it was kind of a suicide. Like we had um, a lot of random bottles and small kegs and you do have to, you know, we have a 750 gallon still. And so you have to have a certain amount of volume to put in there to make a single run. And uh, some of the beers that we got weren't enough. So, so we just blended a bunch together and that one turned out really cool. Actually. So this is all going to be in the same label, right? It's all going to be in the same label, but they'll, each release will be uh, designated as a different batch number so that then you can tell which beers 
we used. Okay, cool. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited to try that. We'll have to have you on next time and bring it in, Ryan. We'll, Absolutely. We'll take a shot of that. Uh, Eddie Crane, um, you're in a band, man? Is that what uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Blue you, you're, you're also an entrepreneur and a restaurateur and barman, but you're also a... Uh, and I have four kids. I think I'm legally crazy. So people like, <laughs> And you married a woman you met in Vegas. That's The whole thing is just a great story, man. Who knew? He's a yeah, legend. I guess. My own mind, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but no, oh, yeah, we just played last Saturday at Westport Roots Festival, which is a good party. Uh, Travis Fields, the Westport Saloon, he puts that on. Uh, it's the third year. I, you know, I worked with him a bit that first year and then, uh, you know, got wrapped up in my other stuff. But, uh, it was good. It was 60 bands on five or six stages all day Saturday. It's a good time. The end of the night gets a little blurry, but I remember our show pretty well. <laughs> I love his bar, by the way, Westport Saloon. Oh, Travis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's another one. I mean, fantastic. So, so we, we wanted to talk to but we got about a minute and a half left in the show about the Kansas City restaurant scene right now. I want to touch on that real quick. Your general viewpoint on it right now. Um, it seems like there's a lot I, of I new can, places I, opening up. I can sum up one perspective, and I don't mean any disrespect because I was just a bartender who opened my own place. So I'm literally a hypocrite by saying this, but a lot of <laughs> folks look at a restaurant and be like, oh, that's neat. I think I want to do that to retire or relax like it's in, that's insane to me the analogy i have it's like sitting in the doctor's office reading newsweek looking around at what this doctor does and be like heck i'm going to do heart surgery tomorrow mm-hmm. like and, I, and it just baffles me ryan and i talk about that a lot like how people look at what we do and it's like have a casual it seems like a casual thing right it's it's, it's not a hobby it's minimal glamour it's more toilet problems and then, and then there's glamour in a restaurant so a lot of long hours yeah but uh, you've seen every week somebody else opening up thinking i've been to a restaurant this is neat i have money from what x like, what do they say if you want to get rich you know if you want to make a million dollars in this business start with two isn't that what they say yeah yeah well i but i think overall the the restaurant scene in kc is is fantastic oh yes there's a lot no, of there's a that. lot I'm of passion saying. a lot of creativity and innovation happening and some really really great exciting new places opening up ollie's being one of my favorite. Oh, thank you. Can't wait to try it. Eddie Crane, who's the owner of Ollie's, he's a restaurateur, entrepreneur, leads a band, you know, has four kids, man about town, rock star, whatever you want to call him. He's in the studio. Thanks for coming in, Eddie. Hey, thank you. Appreciate for it, man. Me. I'll have to have you in again soon, man. I'm Please. looking forward to trying Ollie's. Uh, Ryan, maybe you're you're the man. Thanks for coming in today and, and co-hosting. You're a Always great a partner, guys. Check out um, Jay Rieger down in the crossroads. Jay, Jay Rieger is in excuse me, East yeah, Rieger KC. In the crossroads, get uh-huh. get a bike, get some happy hour. Yeah, uh, or go down to the distillery. Yep. In the where's that at? East Bottoms. East Bottoms for Jay Rieger and Co. And check out the new uh, uh, the new brand, the new whiskey, Left for Distilled dead. Spirit, Left for Dead. Okay, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Grill Nation Show. We'll see you again next week. Take care.